to P.S., the Puget Sound podcast where we're talking with members of our campus community about their Puget Sound experiences. I'm Elena Becker at Moonyard Studio in Tacoma, Washington, and my guest today is Robin Organ, a senior from San Anselmo, California. Robin, good morning. Good morning. I, so I want to first acknowledge that this is not a week where it is business as usual. <laughs> not quite, no. We are recording on March 16th. Of course, this is um, the week immediately after the week when I think the, the spread of the novel coronavirus of COVID-19 really became news and when people really started to take aggressive action. And so I want to just say that out front because I realize it's going to sound a little odd given the sort of narrative of the world right now to right. talk about things that are not that. And are not the present moment. Uh, but that is what we're going to do. Yep. Sounds Perfect. good. <laughs> so with that in mind, will you tell us who you are, what you're about, what are you up to on campus? Help me yeah. and our listeners position you in the landscape of Puget Sound. Yeah. I'm a current senior at Puget Sound. So this is a particularly interesting time, mm-hmm. just figuring out what my next steps are going to be. Right. Um, but I'm studying geology and then also international relations, mm-hmm. which I've you know, those two interests, I didn't know I was necessarily interested in those four years ago. And like now that's, you know, definitely a totally new world that I found. Yeah. Um, and then I play piano, which is also cool, but weird because we're now doing virtual lessons. Mm-hmm. Like, how does that even work? <laughs> um, and do geology club, um, which is fun. We had an art night the other week. Really enjoyed that. What is Art um, Night in Geology yeah, Club? This was a new thing we started. So we've been like polling people of like what they want to do with Geology Club because usually we just watch really dumb geology sort of related movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and here we just got together and I had a bunch of collaging supplies that I gave to everyone to use. And then my, one of us went to the art store, picked up a bunch of like pens and stuff, and we made posters Um and I think our next art night, we're well, we were going to do grad caps, but mm-hmm. I guess that might not happen. So we'll see. Lovely. Yeah. And one thing that I wanted to talk to you about, wanted to make sure to talk to you about, is geology and international relations seems like a weird combination. Yeah. And I mean that in the best way. <laughs> but oftentimes, I think that yeah. people who are geology majors and are double majors are doubled with another science. Mm-hmm. People who are international relations majors and are doubled are doubled with a language or with an economics degree. Or you were really, there's not a lot of overlap between those two things. Absolutely. Academically, like in class, no overlap whatsoever. Um, In the real world, there's a lot of overlap, though. Mm -hmm. If you think about any like oil rights, oil prices, all of that stuff, while it is sort of economic, that those natural resource issues are related to both fields and kind of the best example of this, and this is like what I would love to be doing, is there were a bunch of um, seismologists in China that were monitoring seismic waves in North Korea. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then they... And when you say monitoring seismic waves, is that like what you would see if an earthquake hit? Yeah. Or yep. say if there was some kind of big explosion? Yes. Perhaps? Yeah, big explosion. So right. they um, <laughs> that's how we know when North Korea does nuclear testing. Right. Um, and at a specific location, because you're able to pinpoint pretty exactly where earthquakes are seismic waves originate from mm-hmm. um we the seismologists were able to figure out that the test site was no longer usable like um you know like structurally sound so north korea is no longer using that as a test site hmm. which is like covert information that you were figuring out using geology right and that is fascinating to me um yeah so when you think about like that type of situation mm-hmm. 
that feels to me like a scientific career with global and political implications. Does that seem fair? Pretty much, yes. And so I'm actually like looking like now as I'm trying to look for jobs and everything and just like talking to people. Mm -hmm. I've been more approaching this from a policy perspective Mm -hmm. and then going to utilize, hopefully utilize my geology career and just knowledge to influence policy. Sure. Do you have a sense of like what that means or what kind of job that might manifest as, even if that's a job that's like three chess moves away from your move right now? Yeah. So, like, right now, like, the best, the kind of, like, best overlap is the South China Sea, Mm -hmm. right, where there there are a bunch of atolls and reefs Mm -hmm. um, there. And then they're also China's building islands um, to clean their territory. Yes, pretty much. Um, And um, right now at the Bureau, National Bureau of Asian Research, they have a project called the Maritime Awareness Project, Mm -hmm. um, which is using mapping and putting all these geologic features on there as well as, like, things like weather patterns and shipping track routes and, like, uh, international boundaries. Yeah. And so they've created this map that then policy experts can go in and look at and, like, analyze different scenarios. So you're like, okay, what if China shot down a jet, an American plane in this water? What if that same scenario happened four miles to the east or hmm. four miles to the west? What does that mean? Um, so that's kind of... Because that's kind of more of the route in geology that I've taken is this, like, GIS mapping route. Right. Um, that is a job, like, developing that map, mm-hmm. working on that kind of policy. So, like, with, for a think tank or something would be, like, ideal. But yeah. we'll, you know, we'll see. And this is a really naive question about GIS. No, but when okay. you say developing that kind of map, what does that actually mean? Is yeah. that a computer job? Is yes. that a out-in-the-field job? So the way that I've done it in the past is through a program called ArcMap. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe that's the program that they were using on the Maritime Awareness Project. Not 100% sure. Mm-hmm. But um, basically you can create a map like like something that you would see. Kind of the best example of this is the maps that I was seeing of the California fires. Mm-hmm. Um, and like where there was actually like there's a poly- polygon that showed where the affected where the actual fires were versus where evacuations were. Right. Those kind of things. So that's all created in this program called ArcMap. Um, and then this specific, um, the map program, the South China Sea mm-hmm. one, that um, actually allows you to turn on and off the layers. Mm-hmm. So it's like one step more. Yeah. Um, but it would be using a similar platform. At yeah. what point in your college career did you figure out that this was what you wanted to do? And part of why yeah. I'm asking is this is pretty specific in yeah, a way that totally. I think is great. But I imagine, I guess I'll be surprised, maybe pleasantly, if yeah. you say, like, yeah, I came out of high school 17 with this fully formed idea of what I wanted so, my profession to be. This is a funny story. I came out of high school with a fully formed different plan. <laughs> um, I was going to be a doctor. In fact, I was going to specialize in um, obstetrics and gynecology. Mm-hmm. That is different. Um, totally different. And I was 100% certain that that's what I was going to do. And fact, why did you think that? Um, had you like had experience with working with midwives or? No, I'd watch Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and like I actually—that's <laughs> my joke that I always say. But actually, I, I when I was 
14, I broke my, I was skateboarding mm-hmm. and I broke my leg and ended up in the hospital and had like major surgery on my ankle and everything. Yeah. And then ended up, you know, had to get like screws and stuff removed later. And so I was back in a surgical center and just like interacting with the medical staff mm-hmm. there. I was like, wow, this is, you know, they're really helping people and they're so kind. Right. And that, you know, it really made that experience. So that was kind of why I thought I wanted to be a doctor. Yeah. Um, and then I love babies and stuff like that. So that's why I thought I wanted to do that. Sure. But um, I got to college and within the first three weeks went to a pre-health meeting. So one of the reasons I chose Puget Sound was for the high um, acceptance rate into med school. Mm-hmm. Um, Thinking you wanted to be yeah. a doctor. Sure. Yeah. Um, anyway, first three weeks I went to a pre-health meeting and they were telling me exactly all the 100 things that I needed to be doing. And I was like, this is so stressful. Mm-hmm. And then I – Three weeks into chemistry, I was like, wow, I really, really, really dislike chemistry. Right. And was like, hmm, hmm, maybe I don't want to be a doctor. Yeah. And so I actually went to my academic advisor and sat down with him and was like, what do I do now? Yeah. Like, I had this whole plan. What do I do? It's gone. Who was your academic Um, advisor? Chris Kendall, one of my favorite professors International Relations. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, So I did kind of always know that I was interested in international relations. Yeah. Um, And he just, and he's, as I sat in his office across from him, he was like, this is where all students should be right now. They, sh- you know, having a plan is great, but also like being able to adapt is better. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, just go sign up for classes you're interested in. And so I did. And I signed up um, through my set freshman seminar. I like started learning about geology. Mm-hmm. And I went to that professor and was like, hey, Jeff, what are the pros and cons of being a geologist? Are there jobs? <laughs> mm-hmm. What are the classes like? And he's like, sign up for 101 and I'll get you in and you'll see. Mm-hmm. Um and it turned into a major. And what happened in 101? 101 was amazing. Um, just like I was learning so many different things about something that I'd never even realized was actually a thing before. Like mm-hmm. I knew volcanoes were a thing, but I didn't know you could like – I guess I like theoretically knew you could study them, but I'd never heard of anybody doing that. Sure. Um, and so we did a bunch of field trips. We went to, like, a cemetery and looked at, like, weathering effects on gravestones, which was weird, a little bit creepy. <laughs> um, and then we went up, went on another field trip to Mount Rainier. Yeah. And we stopped at one of the lookouts, and the two of the professors had us stand looking out at the landscape, and they explained – how you could see where the glaciers had come down and you mm. could see, um, you know, where there used to, you know, just like all of the different landscape things where the lava flows have been, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and where the Olympic mountains were and how that was a totally different mountain building event than the Cascades, mm. those kind of things. And I was like, oh, my gosh, all of the things I've been learning about in the classroom, I can actually see out in real right. life. And that to me was like a super big thing and I was like okay I'm gonna do geology now (laughs) yeah one of the things that you are getting at that I suspected is that I have always as a student I was a staff member felt like geology is sort of singularly cool like (laughs) like there are all these really cool field trips yeah you get to go out with um like oftentimes very delicate instruments but also sometimes like hammers and screwdrivers and stuff right Am I wrong about that? Oh, no, you were 100% right. This summer, I was doing summer research, mm-hmm. uh, and literally the way you break up rocks, first of all, you use a hammer, right? <laughs> right yeah, exactly. <laughs> I smashed my thumb 
because that's a real geology injury. (laughs) Thought I'd broken it. Called my mom. Mom, mom, what do I do? What do I do? And she's like, Robin, you're fine. You're overreacting. (laughs) But did you you really like brought a hammer down full force on your thumb? Full send. It was so painful. Yeah. (laughs) Because you have to hold your rock to make sure it doesn't move. And I was like (laughs) holding it and also using my feet. And I, you know. What do you mean also using your feet? Because you got to sort of like hold it in place with your feet. But it was still rocking back and forth. So I was like holding it with my hand as well. How big a rock are we talking? We're talking like. uh, Football size. Yeah, football size. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's a sizable rock. Yeah. And it's like basalt. So it's a hard rock. Okay. It doesn't. And it's not like it's brittle, but it doesn't break super easy. Right. So you're like literally just whacking you're on a rock with a hammer. laying into it. Oh, yeah. Like, just like meme worthy. Meme worthy. Well, that's part of what's so amazing to me about challenges. I feel like you get to do all this yeah. very exciting stuff where like, I mean, I suppose this wouldn't appeal to some people, but like you're outside. <laughs> yes. There's a physicality to it. Camping's necessary. The camping is necessary. Yeah. But there's also a real delicacy mm-hmm. to the results. Yeah. I mean, like, what I was, what I'm doing, so I was doing geochemical research, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like you... And what, will you just explain... Like, what that means? Yeah, and what yeah. your research was. Yeah, totally. So my research, I was looking at volcanism in the southwestern Cascades, so mm-hmm. down near Mount St. Helens. And this is supposedly the beginning of this range of volcanoes Mm -hmm. around 40 million years ago. What we've since figured out is my rocks are a little bit younger, 30 million years old, but still very old. Just like that's a, you know, length of time that you're like, I can't even comprehend that. I can't. That's true. Yeah. I think in thousands Um, at the most. Yeah. But what's really cool is that the chemistry of those rocks is preserved. So what what was happening 30 million years ago, you can figure out based on the chemistry, like what components of different Mm -hmm. elements are in there and what like trace elements so trace element is any element that is less than one percent of the rock um which is really cool that you can still kind of figure this out and so what the way that you do it is you take a rock you pick it up you're like okay this is the unit that it's supposed to be from you smash it with a rock hammer which is so much fun is a rock Um, hammer different in any meaningful way from a hammer i would use to hang a picture in my house not totally. The shape's a little bit different. Okay. Besides that, like the, uh, oh, you know how the one end of the hammer has the two the little claw. prongs? Yeah. So this, instead of having a prong, it, yeah, claw, it has one prong. Got it. Yeah, because there's no need to yank a nail out. Sure. Yeah. Is it one prong as like um, a pick or as like a crowbar? Is that the yeah, idea? Yeah, like a, like a pick, I would say. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you have your rock hammer. You smash your rock. Then you smash it again until you get, like, pieces that are, like, bet- like a pea, about mm-hmm. the size of a pea. Um, you throw those in a um, machine that – shatterbox. It's called a shatterbox, which is pretty fun. And basically it's a little container with a puck in it. Mm-hmm. And that puck spins around and powders your rock so that it's literally just fine dust. And if you breathe it in, you're going to, like, die <laughs> from rock dust. Right. Anyway, and then you fuse it so you melt it. In a big furnace that's a thousand degrees hot, and then you throw it in some acid, and it turns into liquid. Basically, you so you've basically liquefied your rock using acid, and then you can chemically analyze it using a machine called an ICP, um, inductively coupled plasma emission spectroscopy. But you can also do um, that's ES, and then there's there's the other one that I can't remember. And are you um, doing all this on campus? Yes, <laughs> all of this is on campus in the geology labs, which is so cool. Um, Truly, 
Yeah. And a lot of this, like, you know, you don't need supervision to be doing this. So Great. <laughs> yeah. Right? So, like, you'd be you, – you always have a lab partner, obviously. Sure. But um, – yeah, a lot of this, like, I learned in one of my classes, and then all summer I was just doing this, mm-hmm. um, which was so cool. What do bakeries, industrial design, waterproof notebook paper, and investment management for cryptocurrencies have to do with each other? Hi, I'm Ryan Del Rosario, Assistant Director of Admission and School of Music Admission Coordinator. All four of the things I listed are businesses that were founded by entrepreneurial Puget Sound alums, and you can find out more at pugetsound.edu slash stories. Now back to P.S., the Puget Sound podcast. In your research specifically, I'm still trying to figure out how to frame this question. That's okay. What is the, what's the impact of the question that you're asking? Yeah. So the larger impact of it, this is actually I was taking or participating in a class on campus over the summer Mm -hmm. of let's try and synthesize what a research experience means Mm -hmm. and have this as a community. Um, And what was cool about the class itself was that I was meeting a lot of people doing research that wasn't just in the science field. But they asked the same question. And so back then I was like, oh, it's definitely because volcanoes are super important. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, I extrapolated this whole thing about, like, you know, learning about, um, like, volcanoes have a very real human impact. Mm-hmm. And especially the Cascade Arc. Um, because, you know, volcanoes can kill us, obviously. Right. And it's right. devastating. And so the more that you know about them, the better off you are just in general. But... My specific thing doesn't really impact that super directly. Mm -hmm. Um, And what I figured out is that it's just about adding to the scientific community. It's Mm -hmm. about furthering your knowledge about things that you didn't even know were existing. Like I, through my research, I figured out that a geologic process was occurring that, you know, first of all, there isn't much much research on at all in general. Um, And now I've been able to add to that literature like you know the these the geology theses are actually published with the state um so people can access them it's not just through the school which is pretty cool anyway um you know i've been and then i've also gone to conferences and been able to impart this to other people who are like experts in the field mm-hmm. um and so i think that's the big impact of this geology is just adding you know figuring out what is going on in an arc setting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You are a senior. Yes. When you think about, and I am almost hesitant to make you do this, but when <laughs> you think okay. about college as a discrete experience, yeah. what stands out to you? Were there other things that really surprised you about the way that you evolved over the last four years? Are there things that stick out as being particularly important for you? Yeah, I think... First of all, the fact that at Puget Sound you live in dorm-style living Mm -hmm. your first year on campus was a huge thing for me. Like, not only, like, I I have sisters, right, and I've, like, shared a room and whatever previously, so it wasn't that aspect of it, but it was the community and the making friends and the, that aspect of, you know, like, just, like, the thing about college, one of the things that stands out to me is that I used to draw on people's whiteboards, hmm. you know, they'd like on the outside of their door. Yeah. On the outside yeah. of their door and like, you know, do theme drawings, like 
Halloween, I do like a pumpkin and like fall leaves and, you know, a whole little drawing a Mount Rainier, Mm -hmm. anything. Would you sign your name? No. So people, so then it was like kind of a thing of like, who did this drawing? Because I would spend like 45 minutes doing the drawing. Wow. So like half the time, yeah, there were some, there were some great drawings, let me say. (laughs) Um, But half the time as I was doing the drawing, someone would walk past and then Mm -hmm. there'd be two and we'd start a conversation. We'd just be chatting. We'd like be chatting about like schoolwork and like this really cool article they'd read or whatever. And then a third person would come up and then my RA would come out with his guitar and it just became (laughs) this thing. And I think that's an experience you don't get anywhere else. Mm. Um, yeah, that's kind of one of the things about college that's really stood out and just, like, I think framed where I've chosen to live over the past four Mm -hmm. years, like, continuously lived on campus because I want that community. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think it's a, you're in a little bit of a, um, liminal space Mm -hmm. um, of not being a full adult, but not being a teenager, totally reliant on your parents. Right. Um... And being able to have independence but not be fully independent is a weird position to be in. And so being in that position with a bunch of other people who are, you know, the same, that's a pretty powerful experience. I was also saying to somebody today that one of the things I think is really great about Mm -hmm. asking everybody to live on campus and actually in particular asking people to return and live on campus for their second year is that it eliminates some of the – like social associations you might make with that. So because everybody is returning to campus to live for a second year, because many of our juniors and seniors live on campus still, it sort of reduces the idea that like, oh, if you move off campus in your second year, like you accomplished something. Right. Right. Where it's no longer like, oh, you're really cool and or rebellious if you move off campus and you're a square if you stay on campus. Yeah. But it just becomes a more sort of, more about community and sometimes not even worth noticing or remarking on. Yeah. And that's really nice too, I think, especially as you come to college and figure out how you're navigating that liminal space to not feel like there is this very visible social marker of how you're doing. Mm -hmm. Also, let me just say, before last semester, I didn't know what the words liminal space meant. (laughs) And then my political theory class, half the time, and my professor hated us for this. Half the time, we related everything back to the liminal space. (laughs) Do you want to take a crack at explaining liminality for anyone listening who doesn't know what it is? The way that I've now come to understand it is it's this idea that you're in between, Mm -hmm. right? So um, kind of the way that I always think about it is, like, you're traveling from, I don't know, the waiting place to, like, you know, like in, mm-hmm. in in the death, the Greek myth or whatever. Yeah. And then you have to take the river mm-hmm. and you're on that river. It's that river between sticks. being alive. Yeah, river sticks. Mm-hmm. Between being alive and being fully dead. Right. Right. And so that's kind of what we were talking about in this political theory class of you are not alive, but you're not dead. So where are you? Right. Um, that's liminal. Not being fully here, but not being fully gone. Right. Um, not being fully an adult, but not being a child. And to Um, your point about college as a liminal space, one of the things that I think is interesting about that is that college is temporally bounded. Oh, yeah. You cannot stay forever. No. And one of the most disconcerting things for me I've learned since I graduated about graduating is I actually could stay forever. (laughs) Right? And that's a weird shift, too. I've never before... You know, I'm fortunate to come from a family where my parents both have college degrees and I always sort of assumed that I would go to college. And so graduating was the first time I ever had to confront having to decide what to do. 
Right. Because I proceeded through the various grade levels of school and I went to Mm -hmm. college and I knew that all those things would end. And there was a lot more um, autonomy and power in the shaping of your life. Right. Once you are in a place where it is it is really just up to you. Yeah. It's a little bit nerve wracking. A little bit. But so exciting. Also very fun. Yeah. Right. There is something empowering about it if you can get over the like, ah, (laughs) parts. No, like I'm actually so excited for it. Like last, over the summer, I made Mm -hmm. research. Half of it is, you know, all day. Like you're out in the field camping and collecting rocks and everything. Um, But half of it is you're on campus and you have to design your own schedule and what tasks you're going to get done for the week and that kind of thing. Because you're there for eight weeks, eight, well, ten weeks, but Mm -hmm. two weeks in the field or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And... I structured it from very much like a job, like nine to five, and then I would leave. Yeah. And that was, I was like, wow. It's weird, right? How much of your experience. day is, yeah. right, when you need to get your groceries and whatnot yeah. at night. Yeah. 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 It's weird, but I'm excited. It, like, it was so nice, honestly, because mm-hmm. it was like suddenly like, oh, I can have a work-life balance. Like, I can leave things at work and not think about them, and I can go to the gym you know, and schedule and have a schedule that works and not be totally up in the air of what tasks I have for the week. I wonder, Robin, if you think like all the way back mm-hmm. to coming to college, Yeah, what would you say to yourself as advice or what would you maybe say to somebody who is coming into college this year Yeah, as a, a big or a little piece of advice for that person? Coming to college, like this is a change, right? This is an opportunity for you. For me, I came from a position where I almost didn't come to college because I have chronic pain, back pain, Mm -hmm. and I was in so much pain that I could barely walk, and I was like, I don't want to be dealing with that on my own, right? right? And away from home. You're from the Bay in California, so it's a flight. Um, But I took advantage of this change in my life and completely changed everything. I started working out, strengthening my muscles, so now my back pain doesn't hurt that much. Mm -hmm. And in high school, I kind of you know, really learned how to game the system. And I was like, I'm in college now. I'm not going to do that. And so I haven't. Like, I've mm-hmm. put my best effort into all of my classes, and it's really paid off, mm-hmm. like, grades-wise, but also just, like, in the experiences that I've had and what I've gotten out of the classes and what I've been able to learn. Um, and so, like, take advantage of this change, this amazing opportunity that you have to make, you know, to make other changes in your life. Um, and really push yourself to be the ve- best version of yourself. Also, give it your all. Like, some people really don't. They're like, I'm in college just to get a degree, and I'm going to get C's in every single class, <laughs> and I don't care. And it's like, okay, but that's not the point of college. The point of college is to be c- taking classes that you didn't know you were interested in, but looked at the description. Or you're like, it's about wine, and I like wine, <laughs> you know? And learning things that you never like geology right I never thought I was going to be interested in that mm-hmm. um so like you know just take advantage of this opportunity for change and also just you know make the best of it look at the bright side all situations <laughs> Robin we end all of our episodes by asking everybody the same four questions mm-hmm. First question is, what's your favorite place on campus? Yes. So I was thinking about this question. And I think it's going to got to be the fourth floor of the library, which... That's my favorite really? place on campus, and nobody's ever said it. That's so funny. Well, actually, I have a slight... I have a second. Mm-hmm. I have one B, but go on. Okay. 
Well, fourth floor of the library, because there's this table up there, it's quiet, first mm-hmm. of all, which means focus. Yeah. Um, but it also means that you can kind of, like, hear other people's conversations. So that's kind of the <laughs> best opportunity <laughs> for, um, you know, people watching. But there's this table, and it outlooks, and you the big windows there, and you mm-hmm. can just see all of campus. Whether it's raining or sun- sunny, like, that is my favorite place to sit mm-hmm. and do things. Um yeah. What's your second favorite place? My It's also in the library. So it used Ooh. to be the fourth floor of the library before any of those tables were mm-hmm. there because nobody ever went up there. The right. fourth floor of the library, because there's lots of steps, um, is books that get less traction. Yeah. Um, geology so you, books. Geology books. It's mm-hmm. a lot of science writing. Yeah. Um, so you could go up there and sit forever mm-hmm. and nobody would come up. But now there are all these nice tables. Yeah. People come up to the fourth floor of the library. So I've had to relocate um, <laughs> to the architecture section on the third floor, Ooh. which is another place that people don't go very often. And Good to know. I, I sit on the floor and do whatever it is that Amazing. I have to do. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Good tip. Second question, Robin, is what are you reading right now? Yes. So I have a huge stack of fantasy fiction right by the side of my bed (laughs) like I think there are like six books in it because I don't have time to read for fun unless it's over the summer or over breaks and then I'm taking advantage of that reading Mm -hmm. Um, and I can't remember any of the titles of those but I'm also rereading Harry Potter and Mm -hmm. I'm on book four right now so Goblet of Fire Um, and that's probably you know it takes me I'll read like a chapter a night Mm -hmm. it's perfect before I go to bed also just I'm such a Harry Potter nerd. I got Harry Potter trivia. I got a Harry Potter puzzle. I got Harry Potter posters. And actually, my the house one of the one of the rooms in my house on campus has a cupboard under the stairs. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a good time. Um, yeah. What's the best place to eat in Tacoma? My favorite burgers are at Stack Five Seventy One down at Point Rustin. So I'd say that's probably my favorite, but also Brewer's Row because I got Del Fuego nachos, man. And they're spicy. And I usually don't do spicy food, but these nachos, they got some pineapple in there, some pork on there. Oh, my gosh. I crave them. (laughs) And I want to finish off by asking you what makes Puget Sound special. I think the variety of different people that I have met at Puget Sound that come from all different walks of life. That's one of the things that makes it so special. And the other thing is the professors. Um, Three professors that I can think of off the top of my head all happen to be advisors of mine. (laughs) Um, But two in international relations and the other one is my geology advisor. And they, you know, not only are amazing teachers, but they care about you as people too. Like on like the 4th of July, my professor invited us over to his house for a barbecue because we didn't really have any other plans. And, like, you know, we'll ask about our weekend and keep up to date on the drama that's going on. Mm-hmm. Those kind of situations. <laughs> um, and it's just, you know, if, if they notice you're having a hard time, they're like, hey, you having a hard time? Do you, do you need anything? That, I think, is a very special thing about Puget Sound. Um, I'm going to be sad to go. Honestly, we call my my advisor, Jeff, the geology professor, is known as dad because he just is a dad to like the entire geology department, which is so cool and a community I think I wouldn't have found other places. Robin Organ, thank you for joining me on the Puget Sound <laughs> podcast. Thanks, Elena. Thanks 
for listening to P.S., the Puget Sound podcast. If you're interested in applying to or visiting Puget Sound, you can find out more at pugetsound.edu slash admission. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at UNIV, U-N-I-V, Puget Sound. I'm Elena Becker, and we'll see you next time for P.S., the Puget Sound podcast.